Would you please turn with me to your study outlines? And as you're turning, let me welcome those of you that are watching online and also our friends uh, that uh, Kimberly and I just visited in Arco, Idaho, and also the hangar in Montana. Now, today we are finishing up our Mythbuster series. We've been doing this during the fall, debunking the myths of contemporary culture. And today we finish with, uh, you know, a couple of the tougher ones to deal with. So we're going to finish up strong here with, uh, boy, a couple of weeks ago I talked about the, the myth that an unborn child is not fully a person, and now we're ending with this one. So we've kind of ended with some of the toughest uh, subjects, kind of began with that in September, and then we're ending with a tough one uh, here today. Tonight at the, the, the Hub, uh, 5 o'clock at Purpose Church in Claremont, we're going to do the final myth. And this is the final myth we're going to deal with this evening. It is impossible to keep our children pure in this day and age. As you look at all those precious children up there uh, in the choir loft, uh, there's sometimes we feel despair. How can we keep ourselves in the world but not of the world? How can we keep ourselves pure? How can we keep our children? If you have children, if you have grandchildren, if you have nieces, nephews, if you care about the children of our church and of our community, then, then you're going to want to be there tonight because I'm going to share 10 very practical ways that we can protect the children that we care about, and then for ourselves, five practical ways for us to stay pure in this day and age. And so it's going to apply to everybody, whether you have children or not, but particularly if you have children or grandchildren or children that you care about in your life, 10 concrete uh, ways to stay pure in this day and age, and then uh, an additional five for how we personally can do that. Pastor Tomiko shared with me just staggering research the other day. Uh, According to research, before the internet, uh, the average age in which a child encountered what we call soft pornography, like you'd find in a Playboy magazine or something, the average age was between 11 and 13. But now after the advent of the internet, now that age has dropped to between 8 and 11. Some studies actually show that the average age that a child in America is exposed to soft pornography is the age, the average age for some of them is eight. Some of them are as high as 11, some eight. And so when you see that, you just throw up your hands and you say, how how can we fight that? Well, tonight I'm going to give you 15 concrete practical ways to do that. But now this morning we're dealing with the myth, pornography is victimless. The myth of culture that pornography is harmless, that it is victimless. Now, I woke up this morning, and the Holy Spirit, I felt his presence so powerfully laying on my heart. This is the first thought I had when I woke up. God speaking to me, say, Glenn, be careful. And, And I was praying as well that I would not be condemning in any way, but instead you would just sense my heart like a pastor shepherding his flock as, as your pastor, instead of a word of condemnation, but instead a word of pleading, of warning, of Holy Spirit conviction on this issue, and then showing us a path that we can live in victory in this. And I'm not just talking hardcore pornography. I'm talking what we see on TV or movies or on billboards or on magazines. Everywhere we go, we're encountering this temptation. And I don't just, I don't want to give a word of condemnation. I want to give a word of warning, of of conviction, and then show a concrete path 
to victory. The Bible says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful and will, with the temptation, also provide a way of escape. And this morning, I want to show you some of the ways of escape. And tonight, I want to continue to show you other concrete ways that we can escape this particular temptation that is so prevalent today. You know the statistics better than I do, but just a few to remind us. Um, Houston Post reports that there are more outlets for hardcore porn in America than there are McDonald's restaurants. Uh, Time Magazine discovered that one in four Americans surveyed in 2002 had seen an X-rated video that particular year. One in four Americans. Uh, Another article said that 28% of pornography is now viewed by women. It's not just a male thing anymore. 28% of pornography is viewed by women. Hollywood releases 400 films each year. The pornography industry releases 700 each month. Hollywood, 400 a year. The pornography industry, 700 a month. Pornography now grosses more than all the professional sports industry combined. USA Today reports that one-fourth of the time that employees at work are on the internet, they are probably looking at pornography. Now, we're told the myth of our culture is it's harmless, it's victimless, it doesn't hurt anyone. But the person it hurts the most is us, is you, is me. Proverbs 6, verse 27. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? Uh, First of all, pornography will distort your view of other people. Uh, My friend Dane Acker writes, Pornography assaults the dignity of people. It reduces people to the level of animals in heat. Uh, The objectification of women is a result of it. Seeing women as objects and not as people made in the image of God. A Time Magazine reports that the more pornography men watch, the more likely they are to describe women in sexualized terms. Uh, a second thing that it does uh, is that it is addicting. Look at that passage there in your study outline, Romans 6, verse 11. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourselves to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but you're under grace. Uh, Frederick Buchner writes, Lust is the craving for salt by man who's dying of thirst. Research shows that lust, the more you feed it, the stronger it becomes. It's like a drug. And in the same way, you have entry drugs like marijuana that lead to harder drugs. In, in the same way, um, pornography and lust, uh, you get this idea in your head that, you know, if I just give into it a little bit, it'll get it out of my system. And the exact opposite is true. The more you feed it, the stronger it becomes. Somebody wrote, pornography will take you further than you intended to play keep you longer than you intended to stay, and cost you more than you intended to pay. And then number three, pornography sets up unrealistic expectations. 
You know, Satan in the Bible is called the father of lies. And I think the reason he uses pornography so much is that it's completely based upon lies. It's all based on unrealistic images. Uh, pornography presents a man or a woman with no nagging demands, no responsibilities, no complexities, no complications, no bad breath, and no body odor. Okay? Always readily available, day or night, just waiting for you. Pornography presents a man or a woman with perfect airbrushed figure, complexion, and hair. Uh, Psychology Today did a fascinating piece of research in which they said that men rate themselves as being less in love with their partner after looking at Playboy centerfolds than they did before seeing the pictures of beautiful women. That is, they'd show a guy, or they'd ask a guy, how much do you love your wife? Or how much do you love your girlfriend? He'd say, oh, well, a scale of one to 10, about a nine or a 10. And then they'd spend some time looking at Playboy centerfolds. And then they'd say, how much do you love them now? And they'd say, oh, about a six or a seven. Uh, Didn't compare that well after uh, looking in that way. The article goes on to say that these pictures distort our idea of the pool of possibilities. And by comparison, our partner just doesn't look so good anymore. Forgive me, you've probably heard me share this story before, but you know, God God used it so powerfully in in my life. It was a number of years back, and I was going to speak at a Bible conference in Pakistan. And I I spoke at this conference a couple of times over the couple of year period. And I was going back to Pakistan to to speak at this Bible conference. And my flight was going to go from LAX to New York City and then take another flight to London and then change and go on to Islamabad, Pakistan. And so the night before, I'm packing my suitcase and Kimberly's in the living room watching the Academy Awards, the Oscars were were on that night. And so I'm just kind of walking through, packing my suitcase. And I walked through this one moment and I saw this woman get the Best Actress Oscar, the the Academy Award for the Best Actress that year. And I remember just stopping and going, wow, that's a beautiful woman. And then just going back to packing, you know, and just packing. I just had the thought in my mind, my goodness, and went back to packing. Next day, early in the morning, I'm, I'm going into LAX and the flight that goes from LAX to New York City. Who should be on the front row as I walk into the jet, into the plane, but that actress from the night before? And something had happened overnight. <laughs> and it wasn't good. It wasn't good. And, and I will confess to you that the night before, Kimberly. Couldn't compare that well to her. Now think about it. A team of the greatest makeup artists in the world had been working her over for 10 to 12 hours before I saw her on TV. And, and you know, Kimberly couldn't compare that. But I tell you, the next morning, Kimberly compared very favorably. I felt bad for her boyfriend or her husband. I'm like, man, I'm so, so bad for her. You know, I get to be married to Kimberly. And, and you and her, you know, and, and it just, God really used it in my life to just say, Glenn, it's a, it's a myth. That person you saw on TV doesn't exist. That's not reality. That's a lie from the father of lies. Now, I've demythologized women. Um, women, it's my t- your, your turn for me to do it to guys. So hang on there, okay? I'm going to spoil a lot of stuff for you right now, okay? I saw an article a few days ago, great article, called The 15 Dirtiest People in Hollywood. And that didn't mean dirty by, you know, filthy mouths or, you know, or dirty jokes or something like that. They meant literally they don't bathe, they smell. And the list of like the 15 people that smelled the worst in Hollywood, I'm going to spoil it for you. Number one on the list was Brad Pitt. Okay, there he is. 
they say he hardly ever bathes. He just has a thing about it and just like has horrible hygiene. Here's another one, ladies. I'm going to spoil it. Matthew McConaughey voted the sexiest man alive, right? I think one or two people issues ago. Uh, they say he hasn't used, de- he, sa- he says, he says he hasn't used deodorant in over 20 years. And his female leads actually beg him to take a bath because it's so hard to, to do, you know, be in scenes with him because he, he smells so bad. Now for the younger ones in the crowd, here's Robert Pattinson. Now in his, def- in his defense, you know, he's been a vampire for hundreds of years and... <laughs> And that is very hard to keep your hygiene up over the centuries. You know, that's a very difficult thing. But, uh, you, know, you know, some of you ladies may want to rethink that Jacob versus Edward thing. I'm, I'm telling you, you may want to think of that. Now, I'll get a better response at 11-11. But at any rate, you know, we'll do the actual. I'm actually going to do a vote on it at 11-11. Then tell them this story and then ask them to vote again. Ask them, maybe Jacob the werewolf doesn't look so bad after all, you know. Um, number four. Pornography destroys good marital sex. Book of Hebrews says to keep the marriage bed undefiled, and pornography destroys the marriage bed. Uh, You'll see the passage there in your study outline. Hebrews 13, verse 4, marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Uh, Mark Swartz, who's the director of the Masters and Johnson Clinic in St. Louis, says that porn leads to a dependency on visual imagery for arousal. Men become like computers, unable to be stimulated by actual real human beings beside them. So the myth in our culture is that pornography makes you more responsive to your wife, but exactly, research shows, it does exactly the opposite and makes us less responsive. Time Magazine reports, sometimes pornography tears couples apart. At the 2003 meeting of the American Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers, two-thirds of the 350 divorce lawyers who attended said that the internet played a significant role in divorces in the past year. Two-thirds of divorce attorneys said that the internet played a significant role in divorces in the past year with excessive internet and online porn contributing to more than half of such cases. And then number five, pornography leaves you empty. Jeremiah said in chapter 2, verse 13, my people, or God says, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Would you turn with me to the back of your study outline? And Pastor Tomiko is going to talk about the other victims of pornography. And as she comes up, let's watch this together. I speak from experience to say that there are victims and survivors who have been drugged and forced into this ugliness against their wills. I realize that this statement um, flies in the face of the mainstream monothought, stereotypical mentality that porn is something um, that women choose or uh, that she likes it, she asked for it, she chose it. Although that might be true for uh, some, many are coerced into agreeing with whatever our pornographer says just to stay alive. You know, I was drugged before each filming. Sometimes it was uh, with an amnesiac, uh, sometimes with a, a paralyzing drug, uh, sometimes with pain blockers, sometimes a crazy combination of, of all of them. 
We lie to cover up the truth. We do not have the words to speak out because our, our pain is, is too graphic and it's next to impossible to describe what happened to us. We're met with dismissals and denials. I'm here to tell you some of us have succumbed to more drug addictions, some to insanity, some to crippling isolation, and some even to death. So pornography is inseparably connected to human trafficking, to sex trafficking, to prostitution, um, and there are millions of victims. Um, pornography drives the demand for human trafficking. Uh, it's the primary gateway to the purchasing of sex. Um, it creates a hunger, a desire for more, and a desire to act out the images that have been viewed, um, the films that have been viewed. Um, uh, women in prostitution share stories of how Johns, this is the term used to describe somebody who comes to purchase sex, um, that they will arrive with um, pornography strewn throughout the vehicle or, or the motel room um, and desire to act out those scenes that they've just seen. Uh, Victor Malaric uh, did a great number of, a deal of research in this subject, and he wrote a book called The Johns, and he writes that if prostitution is the main act, then porn is the dress rehearsal. Pornography is a form of sex trafficking. So men, women, and children are trafficked into the porn industry. They're physically forced, they're tricked, or they're coerced with threats against their life or the lives of their family. Um, they're held in the porn industry through beatings, rape, forced drug use, um, and they're held against their will, as we, as we saw in the video testimony just now. And Jessica Richardson, she's a survivor of human trafficking. Uh, She's a believer now, and she was trafficked into both prostitution and pornography. And she said that in her, based on her experience, she feels like the effects of being trafficked into porn are even more, greater than being forced into prostitution. Because when she was freed from prostitution, she no longer had to perform any of those sex acts. She was freed, physically freed. But with pornography, those images and films that were taken of her have been uploaded, have been shared all across the internet, downloaded, and are continuing to be viewed. So the exploit, her exploitation continues. Um, Pornography is used as a training tool um, with sex trafficked victims. So survivors of sex trafficking often share stories of how they were forced to watch pornography as an indoctrination into the life. And that they have to go through years and years of therapy, not just to work through what physically happened to them, but to really work through those images that they can never seem to get out of their mind. Um, And then finally, child pornography is always a form of sex trafficking. Um, According to Shared Hope International, one in five pornographic images on the internet is of a child. There's an estimated 100,000 sites for child pornography. Uh, The Department of Justice documented one site in particular after after, um, studying this site for a month. In one month, this one site got one million hits of child pornography. So children, minors, anyone under the age of 18, they cannot choose to be involved in pornography. So under our laws here in the United States, they're automatically considered a victim of human trafficking. So if we want to end sex trafficking, we have to end the demand, the demand for sex. 
And when we, when we hear about human trafficking and we've really educated this church body about human trafficking, I know that as a community, our hearts break when we hear about 27 million people that are held in slavery. And I'm so proud that as a church community, we have, you've really rallied behind Traffic Free Pomona and our, works to, our work to end human trafficking. But I really believe that if we're to end sex trafficking, we have to also end this addiction to pornography, the, the consumption of pornography in our country. We have to, with the same passion that we're fighting human trafficking, work to end this in our homes and in our church and in our culture. Because we want to see people free, free from slavery and also free from addiction. Um, really quick before Pastor Glenn comes back, um, we've put a, a few resources there um, right under the, um, the notes there. And I just want to draw your attention to a few of them. Um, the first three, Triple um, X Church, The Porn Effect, and Fight the New Drug, have wonderful resources. Um, if you or someone you know is struggling um, with addiction to pornography, in particular, Triple X Church offers online accountability groups that are anonymous. Um, and so you can check those resources out. Um, and they also have a lot of research on the effect of pornography um, on um, both your mind and all other aspects of our of, of ourselves. Um, Covenant Eyes is a great uh, internet filtering software, a Christian-based group. Um, and Beggar's Daughter is uh, was started by a woman who is a believer, um, and she's recovering from pornography and sexual addiction. As Pastor Glenn mentioned, we're seeing such a great increase in women viewing pornography, um, and so this is specifically for women. Um, um, The top 10 reviews of internet filtering uh, software um, that just gives you a top top 10 of software you can download that will help um, you with your computer and all your mobile devices, tablets and um, cell phones, etc. And then finally, Screen It. This is an organization that kind of screens films for you. So um, they screen it for sexual content and give reviews based on that. All right. Thanks, Pastor Glenn. Rico, thank you so much. Appreciate that. And she is a tireless warrior in the area of um, human trafficking. And it is no accident that God led her to our leadership team here on the corner of Holton Gary. And we're so grateful for her leadership in this area. Uh, helpful strategies for turning off the pornography. Number one, make a contract with your eyes. I, you know, sometimes, do you guys ever whine to God that, you know, how, how can we stay pure? Look at the time, the day and age that you put us in. I mean, it's so tempting. Well, here's a guy from 4,000 years ago with the same struggle. I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. Job struggled with this 4,000 years ago. So there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to men and women down through the ages. Psalm 101, verse 3, I will not look with approval on anything that is vile. Uh, that leads us to the resources that Tamiko just talked about. These resources she just shared are a strategy for making a contract with our eyes. Number two, take every thought captive. Second Corinthians 12, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Martin Luther, the great theologian and church leader, I, I quote this all the time. He said, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop it from building a nest in your hair. And you know what? We can do two things. We can make a plan to avoid where the birds fly, and we can also take steps to keep it from building a nest in our hair. 
But sometimes Satan wants us to waste all kinds of energy in just the bird flying over our head that we can't help and make us feel so guilty about that we don't have any energy left to stop it from building a nest in our hair or to take concrete steps to go someplace where the birds don't fly. And so we use this strategy called letting your eyes bounce. So when you see something tempting, you bounce to the thought of, of your, uh, to, to something of Christ or, or something else, or you think of your, of your spouse. You let your eyes bounce to your spouse. Or something I do a lot is I will bounce and pray for that person's spouse or their future spouse or their present spouse. And so I'll see something tempting and I'll just bounce right over. God, I pray that their spouse and this person, that you will build their relationship with each other, whether now or in the future. But you find some way to bounce from that to something else or to replace it. You've heard me do this before, but um, on the count of three, nobody in the room think about pink elephants. Ready? One, two, three. Don't think about pink elephants. What are a lot of you thinking of? Pink elephants. Now let's try something different. On the count of three, think of purple elephants. Ready? One, two, three. Think of a purple elephant. Great. What are you thinking of? Purple elephants. What are you not thinking of? Pink elephants. This is incredibly deep stuff. You can uh, meditate on this throughout the rest of the day. This is so brilliant. But it's true. It's what the Bible says that it's not enough to just say no. Sometimes you got to say yes to something else to replace the thing you're saying no to. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off, throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now, Jesus is not talking about self-mutilation here and gouging out our eyes or cutting off our hands. What he's talking about, though, is being radical in our approach. He is talking about putting an internet a screener on our computer. He is talking about being careful what movies we go to or what TV we watch. He, he is talking about radical steps that seem radical in this day and age in which we live. I've talked to some young business guys in our congregation, and they've told me that they no longer have the internet on their phones. Now, these are young, driven, successful businessmen, and it's a hardship to not have the internet on your phone in this day and age. And yet they have taken that radical step because Jesus says, be radical in trying to be pure in this world. And tonight we'll look at some other concrete ways to to do that for ourselves and for our families and our kids. Uh, 2 Timothy 2 verse 22, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness. See, there's the pink elephant right there in the Bible. Flee the pink elephant and pursue the purple elephant. Hope nobody just walked in. You know, I hope somebody walks in from the restroom. What is this guy talking about? Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, hope, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And then number four, go to celebrate recovery. Ecclesiastes 4, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, uh, one can help the other back up again. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Uh, These are two of our leaders for Celebrate Recovery, Steve Giles and Brandon Ummel. And uh, Steve, 
What has been most helpful to you in this particular battle that we've been talking about? The most helpful thing to me has been to be in Celebrate Recovery and um, to be with other guys. That, that, I mean, that has been key because, I, I mean, I've struggled. I've seen, I saw porn. I can remember the first time I was in fifth grade mm. and there was a kid walking down the street and I can remember exactly what I saw. I can remember where I was. Mm. And that's, this was before the internet was, I guess there was probably an internet, but I didn't have it. <laughs> you had to be a scientist. And, um, and I realized that um, as I went through, and I grew up in the church. I grew up, I was a believer at a very young age, but I, I felt like a fake. I felt like, um, I felt like I was a liar, you know, because I had this, this thing that was hidden. It was like in this closet that no one knew about. No one, you know, and I, every once in a while I tell someone, I tell a youth pastor, and he give me a Bible verse and something to memorize. And I memorize those verses, you know, and, and it didn't stop, you know. It didn't stop when I got married. I mean, I figured, you know, get married, you're good. But um, no, it, what really helped was being in a room with other guys, being transparent, being honest, um, uh, not feeling isolated anymore. Um, and I discovered that when I was with other guys and I was sharing just truly what I was feeling and that I was struggling with, that it wasn't, I didn't feel ashamed. I wasn't as ashamed. I mean, I couldn't stand in front of you today and, and say this if I hadn't already been in a room with some guys and just laid it out. And um, I have a sense of freedom and peace that I've never had. I'm not perfect. I still struggle. But there's a lot of things. And when you mentioned pornography, I want to say that I think the gateway to pornography is a lot of the stuff that's on TV today. I mean, I know where all the billboards are on the 10 freeway and the 210. And, I, you know, before I would have been looking for those. Now it's like, boom, look the other way. I don't need to look at it. So, yeah, so being in a group um, and being able to be honest has been life-changing. Wow. Awesome. Let me ask you, Brandon, you got two minutes to convince that person sitting out there that they should go to celebrate recovery. They're thinking, this sounds interesting. Oh, my goodness, but it's kind of scary. Tell me just when it is, where it is, and what, what you'll do there and convince that person to give it a try on a Tuesday night. I'd love to. Uh, just a couple of bi- uh, Bible verses. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, uh, he is faithful and just and uh, will forgive us from all of our unrighteousness. And I think we all know that. But the verse that I like to uh, also say is, uh, if we confess our sins and pray for each other, uh, we will be healed. And I think that's what CR is all about, is actually coming together and confessing our sins to each other and praying for each other, because that's where the healing really happens. And that's what I think everyone is really looking for that struggles with this and other issues as well, is that healing. And then from that, uh, he works all things uh, for good for those who love him. And that's what I think Steve and I have been able to see is that through our struggles, we now are able to turn and help others. And it is such a blessing and that really helps with our sobriety as well. So with that, I want to let you guys know a little information. It's uh, on Tuesday nights from 6.30 to 8.30 in the H104 building over there. Uh, we start with a large group with uh, men and women together. Steve and I lead worship with uh, um, Pastor Greg's son, Caleb. And uh, then from there, we celebrate uh, sobriety with chips. And we also... Um, have either a testimony or a teaching. We alternate every single week. And I love the testimonies because you just get to hear other people who've gone through similar struggles and you really just get to hear the similarities, not the differences. It's absolutely amazing. So then from there, we break off into um, 
gender and uh, issue-specific groups so that it's really easy to share because you're with people that understand what you're going through, and there's only grace and love in these groups. There's no condemnation. It's not confrontational at all. We're not like an army army sergeant, you know, telling you what you have to do. It's just all about grace and love, and uh, we really hope to see you guys there. If you have any questions, you can talk to Lisa Tony or uh, Lisa and Gary Patterson, or Steve and I will be down here, and the last option is there's a resource table out on the back, and you can get all the information there. Wow, that is fantastic. So you break into groups after you've been in the big group with worship. And by the way, the worship is amazing there, just amazing. Then you break into groups, male, female, and in the particular area that you want, you want to address. Fat, you guys, have, don't they have guts standing up here? Let them know we love them and we appreciate them. Thanks, you guys. Yeah, good deal. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Number five, don't be naive. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Maybe you're sitting there saying, you know what, this doesn't really, this doesn't apply to me that much. But you know what, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't be fall. And, and be careful of myths that we tell ourselves. We say to ourselves, you know, I only do it a little bit. Or I only do it once in a while. Or it's just kind of a fun habit. It's, it's harmless It's not hurting anybody. It's victimless. Ephesians 5, verse 3. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Let's stand for the benediction. And the prayer room is open. Our prayer partners and our prayer team are right through that door, right there. If you have a physical need, according to James chapter 5, a financial need, a relational need, a family need, they just love to pray for you. We've had so many miracles come out of that room, and it's just right there on the main floor, right over in this direction, and they would just love to pray with you if that would be an encouragement. I want to close with a benediction we use sometimes from Ephesians 3, verses 20 and 21. And we usually use this benediction as kind of a way to say we can accomplish great things in Christ. And of course we can. But I think today the way I want to apply it is with the help of God, we can live not perfect lives. That's why Jesus died on the cross for us. But we can live forgiven lives of victory despite the pressures around us in this day and age. So Ephesians 3 verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Maybe it's hard to imagine getting victory in this area. You might say, I just can't imagine what success or victory would look like. But now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to not our strength and power, but according to his power, that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And all God's family said, amen. God bless you. Have a great day.